Hello everyone. Before we get to the cast proper, we wanted to take a moment to reflect on recent world events. We are recording this cast on the 4th of March. Just over a week ago, the Russian military invaded Ukraine in an unprovoked attack in an attempt to wrest control of that country from its democratically elected leadership. The people of Ukraine have fought back, and the condemnation from across Europe and most of the world has been swiftly backed up with sanctions against the Russian government. Jamie and I wholeheartedly stand with the Ukrainian people and condemn the brutal actions of Vladimir Putin and his government. Vladimir Putin and his cronies are pushing Europe as far as they can to fuel their egos and prop up their regime. They have lied to the Russian people, to their own military, and to allies who in good faith try to prevent the escalation. They have brought in new laws to suppress the Russian people telling the truth about what is happening in Ukraine and fabricated stories to justify their own bloody actions. Our own government has failed to be as generous as other EU countries when it comes to accepting refugees from Ukraine and with support for the Ukrainian government and military. It is a stain on the country as a whole that Westminster drags their feet on helping these refugees as much as they possibly can. We hope that Russia can be pushed back, that the war in Ukraine can be brought to a reasonable conclusion. Our thoughts are with all those affected by this heinous action and with all those who have friends family and loved ones in Ukraine. This is Brainwaves episode 93, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 7th of March 2022. Tabletop community raises money for Ukraine and for trans kids in Texas. And award season kicks off with the Astior. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. The tabletop hobby has rallied behind the Ukrainian people and there are numerous companies that have put together ways to donate to the various charities that are supporting the country and several big names have also cut ties or voiced their opposition to this illegal invasion. We're going to cover a few of those just now, and we're going to put as links to as many as we can find in the cast notes. Uh, we can't cover quite everything right now, so do check out the cast notes for ways to donate. Famed game designer Bruno Cathala, who has designed King Domino amongst many other titles, posted this to a Reddit. Coming back from the recent International Games Festival in Cannes, and in order to share my support to the Ukrainian community, he is today taking two decisions. For still existing games, he's asking publishers to stop selling them in Russia. If they don't want or if they can't, he's asking them to clearly identify money coming from Russia in order to allow him to give an association supporting Ukrainian refugees that money. For coming contracts to him, he will be precise in his wording, which will be his games can be released worldwide except Russia. Stonemaier Games, publishers of Scythe Viticulture, amongst other titles, have taken the following actions. They've cut ties with Russian localization companies. They are forgiving debts and payments from any of their Ukrainian partners. And they're donating $10,830 to Libereco to address the most urgent needs of the people in the immediate danger zone, to bring them medicine and bandages, to help them evacuate and to find temporary housing. The odd amount of money would have been the profit from a print run that was recently sent to Russia. FIDE, the International Chess Federation, had an extraordinary meeting of the FIDE Council on the 27th of February. 
Uh, the statement's fairly long. I will link to it in the show notes. But effectively, they're going to be removing any flags uh, from Belarusian and Russian competitors. They're cutting ties with any sponsors of uh, the comp- of the five chess tournaments that are from Russia or Belarus. And they have also condemned state. They're going to condemn any statements from any members of the Fide Council in support of military action in Ukraine. Jamie's going to take us through some of the companies that are raising money for Ukraine now. Local role-playing game company Handiwork Games has sold art prints in aid of the Help Ukraine emergency appeal, and unfortunately, those are now sold out. Which is, you know, it's an applaudable gesture, definitely. Portal Games, publishers of games such as the Detective series and Robinson Crusoe, have said profits from the 500 copies of the Polish edition of Mysterium uh, are going to charities aiding Ukraine. The game is designed by two Ukrainian designers, Oleksandr Nevesky and Oleg Sidorenko. Modifius, purveyors of a wealth of intellectual property-based role-playing games, from Dune to Dishonored and Star Trek Adventures, have said a sale going on online through DriveThruRPG and their official site will have proceeds going to pro-Ukrainian charities. There are a wealth of more companies and organizations uh, fundraising. We'll link them all in the show notes. So have a little look. Regrettably, the horrors in Ukraine are not the only terrible events being visited on the world right now. A recent bill passed in the state of Texas by Governor Greg Abbott gave the state permission to investigate parents for child abuse if they are giving their children gender-affirming care. Basically, that means if you have a trans child and are doing right by them, you can be prosecuted by the state. This is unbelievably horrible. Although the law has been passed by the state, the Biden administration plans to resist the move, and various organizations are coming together to block this new law. The law has already resulted in the start of a prosecution against one family, but it is our understanding that as the time of recording, that has now been blocked. Our community is exceptionally caring and generous, and many have expressed their distress at the events in Texas. To try and help, some have put together a tabletop RPG bundle to raise money for the Transgender Education Network of Texas and Organización Latina Trans Texas. At the time of writing, this bundle amounts to just under 300 games for about $5 on itch.io. We at The Giant Brain believe that trans rights are human rights and that this is a great way to support the work these charities are doing in Texas. Awards season has started to kick off. I mean, I say it's started to kick off. It never really ends. It's a wholly repeating cycle. It is a board game swallowing its own tail, if you can imagine such a thing. Um, but yes, first up for the year, I think it's first up for the year, is the, yeah, is the As d'Or. Now, apologies if my mangled French is offending you. I would like to get better. It is the, the Golden Ace Award. Uh, which is awarded at the Cannes International Games Festival. The Game of the Year was won by Seven Wonders Architects, designed by Antoine Bauza and published by Repost Production. The Kids Award was won by Bubble Stories, designed by Matthew Dunstan and published by Blue Orange. The Insider Award was won by Living Forest, designed by Aske Christensen, published by Ludonote. And the Expert Award was won by Dune Imperium, designed by Paul Denon and published by Direwolf. 
Well, Ian interviewed Matthew Dunstan of Postmark Games recently in a written interview, and he was involved with Bubble Stories. So congratulations to Matthew. Uh, Well done to all the winners. I will say this is not, I don't know if this is controversial. I don't think it is. Uh, We both played Seven Wonders Architects on Board Game Arena recently in a three-player game. I know both of us were not very... We didn't really enjoy it, let's put it that way. Now, that might be... I found it quite dull. Now, that might be because we played it online. Yeah, and we've only played it once. And you've... Yeah, we've only played it once. We played it online. And this is not an official review. <laughs> no, this is this is a this is Ian's first impression and kind of my first impression. I wasn't. I've not been. I've been very lukewarm on the entire Seven Wonders series, but that's me personally. I mean, I, I think Jules great. I, I I never really liked the original Seven Wonders. I'm really gone with it. I think Jules fantastic. The architect just is almost too much of a simplification for me. Jules does some clever things that sort of ape the drafting mechanic of the main game. This just doesn't feel right to me. But you can try game the uh, you can try that winner on uh, board game arena and living forest is also on board game arena as well well everybody don't worry because we will eat our hats because they won some awards so what do we know huh indeed i won't take my awards homburg off right now because we've got some more awards news. The finalists for the Cardboard Edison Award have been announced. The Cardboard Edison Award is an award given out by the site Cardboard Edison to the best unpublished game. Now this year there were two tracks, an in-person track and a digital track. The latter allows the games to be prototyped purely digitally, whereas the former obviously requires a physical copy to be mailed to the States and the judging panel. There are 10 finalists for each track, and the winners will be announced on the 30th of March. All finalists have already submitted a video overview of their game, along with a rulebook, but now will need to provide a working copy of their game. All the finalists will receive feedback on their pitches, with the eventual winners receiving a full assessment of the game from judges, and the feedback needed to take it to the next step. Now, obviously, there's 20 finalists, a lot of really, really good, interesting games being nominated. Great award i gotta say yeah and it's a fantastic site cardboard edison when i was running the edinburgh playtest group um and for anybody who comes to me about playtesting i tend to recommend cardboard edison as a good site for just resources about design and and testing and and just sort of information about like the actual sort of mechanics of publishing and how to go about that lots of really great advice really great community around carbon and thoroughly recommend checking that site out if you've got any design publication aspirations phalanx games is a company best known for history inspired and inflated games such as u-boat the world war ii submarine simulation game and nantinarkin the victorian-based reissue of martin wallace's ankh-morpork in a recent post to their social media the day before the invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces, they posted the following to their Facebook page with a picture of one of their games. History is happening right before our eyes. With Europe divided, you can simulate the current crisis at a strategic level and relive the events that led to it, the new Cold War, with Russia on one side and the EU and NATO on the other. Naturally, there was a bit of a backlash to this, and we were in the process of reaching out to Phalanx for comment when they posted this. 
Last week, on Wednesday, February 23rd, we used social media to show how our post-Cold War game Europe Divided could be used to simulate the situation in Ukraine and the events leading up to it at a strategic level. This was in line with how we have marketed the game historically, but it was very clearly a mistake on our part. The posts were made a day before the Russian invasion of Ukraine began and taken down as soon as we realised what was happening. On Wednesday, we still had high hopes the war would not break out. We should have been much more sensitive to the situation and we should not have made such posts in the first place. We're deeply sorry. We're all very upset that this has happened. This is all very close to home for us, especially our team in Poland. Going forward, all the profit we generate from the sales of remaining copies of Europe Divided will be donated to Polish Humanitarian Action to provide direct aid, such as food and medical supplies, to Ukrainian refugees coming to Poland, the Phalanx team. Now, I personally don't like playing games about historical wars. I I find the subject matter a bit insensitive personally, and it just doesn't gel with me. It is my understanding that those engaged with a lot of historical war war gaming are usually very careful about how the games are presented. They're not tone deaf to the considerations of history. Uh, This was obviously a huge misstep from Phalanx Games. They have apologized. They're putting some money towards aid efforts. But don't do it again, Phalanx. That was just really, really stupid. What's that, Ian? Do you hear that sound? Oh yes, it's the sound of Pokemon again. The world of expensive rectangles of thin cardboard with sometimes as shiny bits continues to shock and amaze. This time around, it's once more a very rare Pokemon card that has broken records. And no, it's not a shiny Charizard from the first edition. A rare card called Illustrator has sold for $900,000 at golden auctions, making it the largest amount ever spent on a single card. Beating another copy of Illustrator, which was in a slightly less good condition. The card was originally obtained through illustration contests in 1997 and 1998, held by Koro Gaming Magazine in Japan. The card reads... We certify that your illustration is an excellent entry in the Pokemon card game illustration contest. Therefore, we state that you are an officially authorised Pokemon card illustrator and admire your skill. And it contains artwork of the Japanese Mickey, or Pikachu, by Atsuko Nishida. That's right, the card does absolutely nothing, just says that you are a good drawer. But hey, fair enough, you know, 900,000 for it. I believe it's either... 25 or 38 are in existence yeah it's some very small number despite the pandemic or perhaps because of it tabletop games on crowdfunding platform kickstarter have had another stellar year there were 3518 tabletop games on kickstarter last year raising a total of 272 million dollars Now, we were looking around to see if we could find out how much money Kickstarter had raised overall so we could figure out what the percentage of this was, but haven't been able to track that information down as yet. The number of tabletop projects raising over half a million dollars passed 100 for the first time at 101. (laughs) That is is past 100. That is just past 100. That is just past 100. And the top tabletop game was the Avatar Legends RPG, raking in $9,535,317. Another fantastic year for tabletop games on Kickstarter, massively surpassing the computer game market on that platform. But 
2022 could be an interesting time for Kickstarter. GameFound is nipping at its heels. People are starting to show their dissatisfaction with the company's blockchain plans, which they are showing no signs of abandoning. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for board games on Kickstarter, I think. Well, sorry, tabletop games on Kickstarter in general. Yeah. But talking about companies doing very well from lockdowns. With the coronavirus pandemic in its third year now, we're still seeing businesses doing very well from the periods of enforced lockdown. One such company is Roll20, the digital role-playing website, which recently reported over 10 million players on its site, with half of that number since March of 2020. Alongside that startling statistic, there is a new CEO in town, after co-founder Nolan Jones announced he is stepping aside, but will still be there in an advisory role. Ankit Lal, formerly of Google, is taking up the post, having previously been at G Suite, which is now called Google Workspace, as the head of product and business strategy. He's been an advisor for Roll20 since last year. There's also a number of updates hopefully coming this year for Roll20, including a GM hub with system agnostic tools, UI improvements, and updates to performance and speed. They can't come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, Ian, I mean, we've used Roll20 for Blades in the Dark campaign. I very much mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. I've used it a bit for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, it's fine. It's very D&D focused, unsurprisingly. I mean, most of the virtual tabletop RPG stuff is very Dungeons & Dragons focused because... Because hey. it is the biggest role-playing game. How big is it exactly, Jamie? Ian, I don't know. Oh, wait, I do. Because every quarter, the Or report details the games played on Roll20 and throws out some numbers to show what's doing well. Imagine that. It's almost like we had these two stories linked. <clears throat> it's like we're professionals. I wouldn't go that far. Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't okay. go that far. By system, Dungeons & Dragons sits on top with... I was going to tell Ian if he could guess it, but he's got the document in front of him so he can see. <laughs> 55% of the games played being Dungeons & Dragons, followed by Call of Cthulhu at 9.3%. Pathfinder 1st Edition sits at 3.3%, and Pathfinder 2nd Edition at 1.14%. 5th place is a tie between all the Warhammer titles and all the World of Darkness titles, and there's quite a few of all of them. Ian's personal favourite, and I think one of my favourites now, Blades in the Dark, sits at 0.41%, which is in 12th position. Yep, yeah, we'll link to the whole thing in the show notes. There's like there's a full breakdown of every single system on Roll20, basically, and the percentage of games that are on there. It's a little interesting to me to see the first edition of Pathfinder outperforming the second edition. I don't know how Paizo are going to feel about that. We were chatting about this a little bit before we started recording, and my predominant thought in that is a lot of the first edition material is available for free online so why would you not be more inclined to play that i can get this really i can get this really rare splat book that has these really cool um variants on the investigator class cool i don't have to pay x amount of money for it and it's my understanding that second edition pathfinder is more of a tweaking of first edition it's not it's not so much like a full new game system as such there's, there's a lot of tweaks and stuff but that's just my sort of vague understanding of the situation uh yeah and i played second edition at my first uk games expo 
when they were still trialing it in 2018. 18? Yeah, eight, uh, possibly. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. Yes. 2018. Who knows? Time has no meaning anymore. I, I don't. Time. What is time anymore? Before we sign off from the news and get on to the last little bits and pieces of the cast, it's time for some industry speculation. Altafox Capital, an asset management firm, has suggested that Wizards of the Coast should become its own company and break away from the parent conglomerate Hasbro. Altafox, who owns 2.5% of the shares in Hasbro, called Wizards the hidden jewel of Hasbro. They've set up a website called Free the Wizards. Where they set out their manifesto for the split. Seriously, free the wizards. Worth remembering too that the new CEO of Hasbro, Chris Cox, is the former head of Wizards of the Coast. I don't think this is going to influence his decision making, but you never know. It might. It, it might. And we have no stake in this because, of course, we are not wizards. Uh, but it's worth remembering that a lot of these companies that have done so well over the pandemic have had an almost literal captive audience. Yeah, Hasbro, absolutely. Wizards of the Coast, Games Workshop. Who are we just talking about? Roll Twenty. That was it. I mean, no, no doubt. Like some of the some of the growth they've seen will will hold. Yes, maybe even go up a little bit. But the 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 sheer explosive growth they've seen over the last couple of years is bound to slow down a little bit. Yes, but for now they're trying to attract investors. They're trying they're trying to grow. So yeah, this kind of speculation, as we've said before on this cast, this sort of speculation happens all the time in bigger industries. It's bound to happen as the board game industry grows. And I mean, a, and I mean, a company like Wizards of the Coast. I mean, you know, have you heard of a thing called Magic: The Gathering? They'll never catch on. Not Dungeons and Dragons, is it? Anyway, people we won't be splitting from are our lovely, lovely patrons. Thank you so much for continuing to support the cast, especially James Naylor and Sean Newman, our executive producers. We'll link to all their bits and pieces in the show notes, and you can join them for only one dollar a month get an extended version of the cast uh, a monthly newsletter that Jamie and I send out telling you what we've been up to behind the scenes and there are various other ways to support us on the site including you can get dice from Metallic Dice Games, very nice metal dice and you can get t-shirts from Sir Meeple with our logos and show your allegiance to either the site or Brainwaves or both by wearing a lovely lovely t-shirt before we get out of here, before we get to the last bit of news, we'd just like to announced that Tabletop Scotland is back. I am certainly planning to go. It's probably going to be the only convention I get to this year. Tickets are going on sale from the 31st of March at 8pm BST. Uh, The convention itself runs over the weekend of the 27th and 28th of August in Perth, Scotland. Uh, And I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Um, I will not be behind the playtest zone this year because I'm not really doing that anymore. So I'll just have a chance to wander around, play games, chat to people. It's going to be really good. Looking forward to it a lot. Probably be there as well. It'll be good. And on the 29th of March at 8pm in our Discord, I will be on stage with Mark Cook, who is the runner of Aircon. He's the head honcho of that convention. We'll be talking about all things convention organisation, the growth of Aircon from a small gathering in his house to the the staple of the UK gaming scene that it is now, how the pandemic has affected convention organization and especially demands for accessibility through online conventions and how that has affected the way that Aircon has been arranged this year. Please do come along. You can ask questions live of uh, my guest, Mark Cook, 
on stage and uh, we'll be putting that out as a podcast shortly after the recording as well smashing anyway Jamie before we leave I believe that's the flapping of wings yes now Board gamers are like Freemasons, of course. They may be secretly everywhere, have their own coded phrases and gestures, and they secretly control the world. Now, of course, I'm joking about only one of those things. I'll let you work out which one. Further proof that gamers are slowly encroaching upon society is evident in a clip from the soap opera Coronation Street, shared by Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer of Mariposas, and the cultural juggernaut, there I go again with cultural juggernauts, Wingspan, the game of birds and the eggs who hatch them. In the, in the clip. I mean, you're correct. I had to think about that for a second. I was going to say the eggs who lay them. I was wrong. Basic biology. In the clip, three characters are talking. While one is reading the rule book of Wingspan, which is clearly visible and legible in the shot, whilst another mentions and explains the game. According to Jamie Stegmeyer, head of Stonemeyer Games, the publishers of Wingspan, they were contacted in November about Wingspan being used as a prop in the show and were given a sample of the script in which it was mentioned. They cleared it and it appeared in the episode. Nice. Yeah, always lovely to see board games getting a bit of mainstream attention. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we mostly respond on Twitter these days. And if you'd like to chat to us behind the scenes and talk about the latest bits of news, you can join us on our Discord as well. There'll be an invite in the show notes. Our main website is giantbrain.co.uk. You can email us about any bits of news you'd like us to cover or any comments you have on the stories we've covered previously at giantbrainuk.gmail.com. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>